Hey, thank you so much for joining us for episode 19 of Head Start. This is a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. Now, we uh, always, uh, as always, have a get to know you segment here uh, in our time together. And we're going to, today we're missing to my right, who is typically to my right. And we're all looking at the empty spot right now. Mm. Brother Tim, Pastor Tim, Tim is not with us. Uh, he uh, had a funeral to be at. So, um, uh, so it's just the three of us around the table. Here's the question I'd like for us to talk about. Uh, not a silly one today, a little more serious. Uh, and so the question is, what is God teaching you now? So what's God teaching you at this moment in your walk with him? Brian, Kyle, whoever wants to go first with this question. Silence. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I think the Lord right now is just teaching me not to fear, um, particularly in the midst of waiting. So one of the passages that uh, I've kind of been uh, going back to uh, is, is Psalm 27, 14. Um, wait for the Lord. Um, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And I think just in... Uh, you know, walking by faith, uh, waiting for His timing, and, and not uh, and not fearing, because uh, I, I tend to fall into that. So uh, that um, command, really, from the Lord, to just say, "Hey, uh, be strong, take, let your heart take courage." Um, I keep going back to that, mm, and good. in the midst of it, that's good. That's good. It's good. I think for me, um, it's kind of funny because it ties in. It's patience. It's less the fearful side of waiting and more just the contentment side, I think, in waiting. Uh, you know, just wondering what the Lord is up to and, and wanting to see whatever it is that he's going to do, uh, you know, here at Liberty in our midst in Chelsea and our families and those sorts of things. Um, but just patience, waiting on waiting on him to speak the word. And then the second thing is, um, man, don't underestimate prayer, uh, which I do every day. If I if I rightly, I think if any of us rightly, you know, thought of prayer, uh, we would we would do a lot more of it. Um, but just here lately, in some really odd, specific things, I've I've had those moments where the Lord's Spirit has prompted to pray uh, with boldness and in faith over a certain situation or about a certain situation. And it's been crazy because uh, at least three specific things that I can think of, uh, the Lord has moved in those situations after after I've prayed about them. has nothing to do with me, uh, but man, just to see him do that is that reminder of, you know, hey, meet me here more often. Uh, you know, yeah, he loves to hear us and he loves to respond to us. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Thank you for sharing. Me personally, um, over the last few months, I've experienced some anxiousness that I've never experienced in my entire life. I've always been very cup half full. We don't have problems. We have opportunities. And uh, this has just leapt into my life and has been um, crazy. So there's a passage of scripture that I turn to and have been uh, for months now it's Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But in, in it, Paul's talking, I've got this issue, God. I've got a struggle. And, I, and he, he'd gone to God a couple different times. 
and God, but God says, but, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. It, and he could have let it be a period there, but he didn't. It's a comma. And it goes, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the way that God has used this, and as I read on and see what, how Paul has responded to what God said to him, as Paul then goes, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest in me. So Paul's like, I, here's the struggle. Oh, God says my grace is sufficient. Well, then deal. I'm, gonna, I'm okay with this weakness. I'm going to boast all the more gladly in it so that God's power can be made real in my life. And, and it's been really cool to see how God has worked uh, in my life and is continuing to grow me. I'm still not where I want to be in that sense of walking through, but God has been so evident and present and active in my life in, in, in these last couple months, and I'm growing, and it's been really cool. Uh, so, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so God's got a plan, and he's working it out. Uh, there's no doubt. So, That's good. leaders, I would like to encourage you. Um, one of the things as we transition into thinking about, um, we're still in 2023, even though uh, we're in October, or, or you know, uh, we are still we still have that challenge before us to share the gospel three times in 23. And so, here's my reminder to you as an adult adult or student ministry life group leader. If you have not shared the gospel through your story with your life group, and surely you have by now, uh, let me encourage you that this Sunday would be the day that you would do so. And secondarily, let me encourage you also between now and Sunday to reach out to someone in your group who has not done so already uh, and encourage them, invite them, challenge them, maybe even double-dog dare them uh, to do this, to, to take that. It may be for someone a bold step to step out there and to share the gospel through their story with their peers in that life group. It is a challenge, and some may be a difficult challenge for them. It's okay. We need to be stretched. Uh, and so let me encourage you to uh, seek, pray about who that person would be, and go ahead and get that lined up for this coming Sunday. So, all right, our focal passage for this week is Philippians chapter 3, or Philippians. There it is. There, thank you. Phonetic. Uh, it is Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and Kyle, also known as Brian. <laughs> How is this happening? This is twice I've done that now. OLD disease, baby. Yeah, I, I made up with it. Uh, <laughs> Brian <laughs> will walk us through this passage. Kyle is welcome to, if you'd yes. like to. It's uh, all right. All right, I, I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, man, another wonderful passage. This is like, one of my favorite moments in studying and, and preaching through a book of the Bible as I'm learning is uh, the whole thing that it's, it's, it's called recency bias in psychology. Uh, and it's when you're the type of person who every movie that you watch becomes your favorite movie, right? Every musical piece that you listen to becomes your favorite song, that sort of thing. This is what I'm experiencing with Philippians. Every time I study a passage in Philippians, it's like, that's the best passage in this book. And I had that happen again as I looked through Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Uh, it's a loaded passage, and so we need to dive in and do so uh, with 
great speed. So uh, buckle up and let's let's walk through the passage. Uh, Paul says, finally, or in addition, or as to the rest, uh, my brothers and sisters. And that's already just kind of a funny thing because we've, Philippians is four chapters long. So we have just crossed the halfway point. Uh, and he says, all right, now to wrap it up. So, you know, Paul's a preacher and that's what we do. In conclusion, yeah. here comes another half of the book. Uh, he tells them to rejoice in the Lord. And so again, that repeated refrain of Philippians regarding joy uh, is there uh, right at the beginning of the passage. Remember joy, uh, joy in the epistle to the Philippians is a command and we can lean on that for today as well. Uh, rejoicing is not something you do when you feel like doing it. Rejoicing is something that you do all the time. Um, love to pray that passage of scripture. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, God makes every day and therefore we should rejoice in every day. He says, uh, to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and it's a safeguard for you. So he's talking about just the repetitive nature of that call to rejoice. Uh, man, it's, it's no big deal to tell us uh, over and over again, rejoice, 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 because the tendency is to complain, complain, complain. And so he reminds us of that again. In verses 2 through 11, Paul's really going to dive into the heart of uh, the content for this week. And that's this. There is no reason, no excuse, and it is unacceptable for a believer to place confidence in the flesh. We should have no confidence in our abilities, our works, the things that we feel like we're good at, uh, we place no confidence in them. And he'll walk out uh, just why that is in a little bit, um, but it comes, of course, from the gospel. And so he begins with this strong rebuke, watch out for the dogs, watch out for the evil workers, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. And that last phrase there is what clues us into who Paul is talking about. Uh, and man, it is, uh, to me, equally fascinating and heartbreaking. Um, he's talking about uh, Jewish people, most likely, um, at least folks who are influenced by the Jewish system, uh, who really have just kind of been it seems like the, I mean, the picture that the new Testament paints is that they're following Paul around as he goes and evangelizes to people and starts and plants local churches. <laughs> Not too much later, these Judaizers or Jewish people of Jewish influence show up and they start telling people like, Hey, this Jesus thing that Paul is talking about, that's fine and dandy. That's okay. You can believe in Jesus and you can say by grace through faith and all that other kind of stuff. But, but you also need to keep the Mosaic law. You also need to get circumcised, right? You need to go through the things that have marked the Jewish people for generations and generations. So then Paul's having to come back around in his letters and say, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Uh, if it's by grace through faith, our salvation, that is, then there's nothing to add on to it. There's nothing that we can do to add on to it. And so in this passage in particular, you can hear Paul's annoyance, his frustration, even his devastation with uh, that the, the people that he grew up with, his kinsmen is what they'll, he'll call them in Romans, uh, and, and their obsession with remaining uh, and sticking to uh, the Mosaic law as a requirement for salvation. Uh, he will not have that in his churches. And so he tells them, watch out for the dogs. Um, you know, obviously circumcision was the, uh, the sign of God's people for, um, 
generations. It was instituted all the way back in the Mosaic law at the beginning of the Old Testament. Um, It's how you know a covenant person is a covenant person. Now, ironically, circumcision is hidden away. It's covered and masked from those that are around you. Uh, But still, the Jewish people put their confidence in their bodily circumcision. Uh, They would say, I'm one of God's people. How do I know? Well, because I bear the mark of an Israelite man in my flesh. Um, And so what Paul is saying in the next verse when he says, again, this is incredible that the Apostle Paul would say this. He, He says, we are the circumcision, not those who undergo the physical procedure, but those who... Uh, worship by the Spirit of God, who boast in Jesus Christ, and who do not put confidence in the flesh. So he's saying there's been a change in the sign of God's covenant people. How do you tell that a covenant person is a covenant person now? Well, it's those three things. They place zero confidence in physical things, including, you know, works of merit uh, or conformity to the Jewish system of worship that they did at the temple with the sacrifices and the prayers and all that other kind of thing, uh, and, and the physical act of circumcision. Paul says, we are not saved by those things, and so we can't be marked by those things. Instead, the way that a new covenant member is marked is by the Holy Spirit within them. So how do you know if somebody's saved? How do you know if somebody's a child of God? Well, the question is, is the Holy Spirit operating within them and through their life? And if the answer to that is yes, you've got a new covenant person in front of you. Now, um, what's incredibly ironic about this is that the person who's telling the Philippian Christians don't put any confidence in the flesh man, he's got great reason to put confidence in the flesh. And that's what he says. If, if anybody has it, man, I've got it. I've got more of it. Uh, and so then in verses five through six, he lists uh, the different things. And he says that he was you know, circumcised on the eighth day, which is exactly as the law prescribed it. He says he's of the nation of Israel, right? God's chosen people. But not only that, he's of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's traced all the way back to, he knows what tribe he came from and only two tribes ever sent a king to the throne of the Israelite people. One was Benjamin, and that was King Saul, and the other was uh, Judah, and that was the line of David, King David and Solomon and all the others that came after them. Um, so he, he's of a very important tribe. Uh, he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? And uh, what exactly he means by this is a little confusing. I think it's probably referring to the purity of Paul's line, right? So if he can trace it back to Benjamin, he knows uh, that there's purity in his line. They didn't necessarily mix with other people groups. He is a Hebrew born of Hebrews. Uh, And then he just rattles off like, man, with respect to the law, I was a Pharisee. That's as strict as you're going to get in, you know, being careful to observe the law. With respect to zeal, uh, I was running down the church. I was a church persecutor uh, is how it reads. And uh, so you're not going to find somebody more zealous than the Apostle Paul. With respect to the righteousness that that comes through the law, uh, Paul was blameless. Now, you'll see this term blameless a lot. Blameless does not mean perfect. doesn't mean that Paul was without sin. He recognized that he was a sinner. But what he did was scrupulously conformed to the regulations of the sacrificial system. So when he sinned, he made sacrifice to atone for it. Uh, Every year he participated in the festivals of Israel and did exactly as the law of Moses uh, instructed him. Um, I've always loved this passage because, man, I, you know, the way that I grew up... (sighs) 
like I'm a Southern Baptist of Southern Baptists. You guys know what I mean? Like it's, you know, I, I, I uh, went to church nine months before I was born in my mom's womb. Uh, we were there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, I have all the trophies and all the vests and all the awards from Awana, you know, and so it's just all these things. Uh, I totally understand what Paul is saying when he's recounting his history, but, but then he there's this re-reckoning moment that happens in verse seven. He says, everything that was a gain to me, all the stuff that I would have put on my resume back on the day, I've considered it to be a loss uh, because of Christ. And going further, further, more than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Um, then he says, because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and I consider them uh, as, as dung or rubbish. Uh, it's, it's a word for um, excrement uh, and it's, it's a little bit of a harsh word. So, uh, you know, almost, almost to the degree that we would think of a, a swear word that relates to that. Uh, but scubulon is the word uh, in, in the Greek. So next time you need a replacement, you know, a Christian cuss word, as Tim Hawkins calls it, you can go with, uh, go with scubulon, I guess. <laughs> Uh, that's how he looks at his past and, and reckons all of those things, which is, is just wild to me. Um, he continues to, uh, to dive in. Uh, not only does he uh, consider those things as rubbish, but in verse nine, he uh, reorients us to the goal uh, that he has, right? Uh, why does Paul uh, reckon all of those things as a loss? Well, it's because he wants to gain Christ. Like that is the only thing that Paul desires out of life anymore. He wants to gain Christ. He wants to have that relationship with him. He wants to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of his own that comes through the law because he knows now, hey, that's not going to, that's not going to get you anywhere, uh, but having the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. And then he tells us last, his desire uh, is to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, uh, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach or attain the um, resurrection from the dead. Um, we live in a world that's saturated in performance-based uh, mentality that says we are worth what we can do and what we can produce. And so, man, when Paul walks through verses five through seven and he talks about all the things that he had done and all the things that he had produced, um, we need to examine that real carefully and say, what do we place confidence in? Uh, you've probably heard the illustration, right? That just because you uh, go into the garage, it doesn't make you a car, you know, just because you squeeze yourself into the oven does not make you a biscuit. Uh, you are not a Christian because you go to church, because your parents went to church, because your your parents are faithful believers. You are a believer because you have given everything to know Christ Jesus as your Lord, to gain him and experience the power of his resurrection. Yeah. And, and this is where leaders, you can really kind of press in with the questions. There's a couple questions back to back that relate to this, but uh, I'll just uh, focus on one. Um, it says, where do you struggle with performance-based, uh, a performance-based mentality when it comes to following Christ? And I don't think that we have a ton of people walking around here that would actually say, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian because I, you know, because I come to worship or I come to life group or anything like that. There are people out there that would think that, but um, I think this is where we as leaders can press in even more and say, well, how, 
how do you interact with the Lord based on your performance? Mm. So um, when you are coming to church and when you are in the Word consistently and you are uh, in life group and and maybe even you listen to worship music on your way to work, do you feel like the Lord is a little easier for you to approach? Um, or uh, think of it in a different way, um, when you fail, when you lose it with your kids uh, another time, one more time, uh, you know, during the day, or you've looked at pornography again, or whatever sin that you continue to struggle with, do you have this suspicion that you have to get yourself a little clean before you come back into the presence of God, before you come and worship Him, before you open your Bible and, and expect to hear from Him um, I would imagine that there are a lot of people in your group uh, that live like that, that uh, they wouldn't say their salvation is dependent on uh, their performance, but they would absolutely uh, live as though God's delight in them is based on their performance. And so um, I think that's where you can really pause and maybe just press in a little bit with your, with your group members. It's good. There's so much in our culture is performance-based, and so there would be a, a natural tendency toward that because of what culture says and the pressures of culture. Um, so, And as we think about that, uh, as we think about our measures, talking about being a guide, right? So one of the, one of the, as we think about our measures, how can we be a guide uh, or as a guide, how can we encourage others away from a legalistic mindset? I mean, I get that legalistic mindset. I do. I understand that. But how can we um, encourage others away from the legalistic mindset so that they can know Jesus personally, right? So as we think about that and as we think about being a guide, encouraging the folks that are in our group in that way, uh, away from legalism, like I'm a Christian because I showed up at church twice a month and I actually went to life group twice this month or, or I gave this month. That proves my Christianity. No, but, but, I, but into that knowing, a mindset of knowing Christ and being with him and just like what Kyle was saying, uh, experiencing him daily. So think about that as you are speaking to your group and leading your group. Uh, we have an event uh, I know we got another oh, question. We got okay, to live let's... it out. Um, so we don't want to. Don't forget uh, don't to live forget it out. Those. Um, so uh, yeah, just the the live it outs again. Um, we're continuing to ask you to, well, really challenge all of our, our ourselves to say, hey, that person that we've been praying for, uh, that we've tried to uh, grab a meal with, we want to we want to try to serve them uh, this month in some way. Just trying to move that needle in terms of our relationship to. Uh, really show them the love of Christ. But also there's there's one that, uh, one of the live it out points is identify any area of your life that, that you're boasting of or that you have boasted of, maybe even just privately. Uh, maybe in your own heart, you, you, you are, uh, you put some some real weight in that uh, before other people or even before God. And really that's a time then to to challenge yourself to identify that and get before the Lord and and repent of that, confess that and own it. And like Paul uh, did, uh, as Brian explained, um, count it as loss. Like, 
knowing Christ and focusing on him is so much more than anything that you and I could boast of. So um, that really is a, an opportunity for you to cast aside any sort of uh, boasting uh, that, you, that you may do. That's good. Thank you for that reminder. Uh, as I skip right over the living out, I appreciate you bringing we'll us back. It sometimes. So, yes. So now let's think about We have an, an event that's coming up, and I uh, want to shine a light on it for just real quick before we wrap our time. Yeah, so Tuesday night, uh, October 3rd, we've got the National Night Out. Talked to you last week about this. Uh, want you to be a part of it. It's 6 to 8 uh, on our campus. Shelby County Sheriff's Department is hosting this. Uh, we are going to have quite a lot of first responder vehicles here. We've got two helicopters coming. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity for our community to come and meet those first responders and different agencies. And we get to be good hosts mm. uh, to this. And that really is our goal here. We want to uh, love on our community as they're coming here. We want to just be great hosts and uh, welcome them to our campus. And, yes. and uh, so we want to invite you to be a part of that. You can sign up to serve. If, if you are able to do that, you can sign up online. We'd love to have you uh, serve in, in the different ways that we have. Um, but if you're just attending uh, as, a, uh, as a Liberty member, as a faith family member, then, then we want you to come and help us be good hosts here yep. as well. It's good. All right. Thank you so much, fellas, for your time as we look at this passage. And then uh, leaders, we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday.